I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, guys and girls. The program you are about to hear will be both fun and educational, but it is not a substitute for medical advice. Although we are doctors, we are not your doctors. Hello and welcome to Travel Medicine. As always, I'm your friendly neighborhood internal medicine doc, Dr. J. Hey guys, this is Dr. Santosh, pediatric infectious disease doc and a researcher. I was watching a lot of TikTok today and getting both excited and depressed and sometimes at the same time... It'll melt your brain, that thing, and steal all of your identifiable information. No, I was watching things about birds learning to video call each other and... And then Terminators being invented or like liquid shifting robots, because do you want Terminators? Because that's how you get Terminators. (laughs) Yeah, we're making all kinds of like we have flexible robots and all these kind of things. I guess liquid melting robots is the next, you know, normal evolution. I'm guessing that it doesn't have a Terminator brain inside of it as yet. But it, it got me thinking of a simpler time. A gentler time. A time that Hillshire Farms remembers. As I was browsing through a selection of TikToks and medical journals, which is what I consume in my daily media, I decided it would be fun to see if I could bring them together into a totally radical, tubular, Gen A to Z medicine for... uh, I do believe I'm looking at my watch, which mm. is telling me it's an alternate week, Santosh. Oh, it is. Oh, my gosh. Does that ta- mean that it's time for our favorite alternate week segment? That's right. It's time for everybody's favorite segment. Get your Kermit arms ready. Journal Club. Yay! Yay! Oh, so, oh I got to learn to stretch before Kermit arming. I'm getting old. So this week, totally radical tubular 
Gen A to Z medicine with just some of the most ridiculous medical studies I could <laughs> dig up. And ridiculous doesn't mean not useful or interesting, but just who researched this and why? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, You know, we're talking about some fun things, which tend to actually have some real applications. Um, outside of medicine, uh, there were people studied the the actual uh, hydrodynamics of how coffee sloshes when you walk, which is important for like rockets and stuff when they're moving and wobbling. So, but yeah, someone walked across a room with coffee to figure out, you know, how it sloshes. I do that every day. (laughs) I'm not impressed. (laughs) Let's get into our first story, uh, which... Just it made me happy because here's the thing, Santos. Yeah. Uh, you are a research scientist, and you work with animals on occasion. Yeah, yeah. We we use a mouse model. Uh huh. And I'm starting to admit, as fascinating as most of the research that takes place is, I'm getting a little bored with scientists using the same eight animals for all kinds of research. And in case you're wondering <laughs> what those are, it's, yeah, uh, mice, yeast. Fruit flies, frogs, nematodes, zebrafish, uh, monkeys, pigs. I think that's eight. But <laughs> yeah, they're on occasion. Just as a for instance, uh, you know, influenza. The best model, I believe, is a ferret. Uh, they actually have the closest immune response to us in terms of oh. how. Picturing little ferret sneezes. Yeah, yeah, little chew ferret sneezes. And there's a couple of others where you'd use other rodents like a guinea pig or a uh, you know a, a hamster or something like this. But it's it's true. A lot of the time, especially if you don't have the room, you know, that you need for large animals and things like that. Um, you need to use an animal model that's small, convenient, easily bred, um, you know, has a very quick turnaround time, meaning from like gestation to birth and all that kind of a thing. And so, yeah, you end up with like the same animals over and over that are kind of standardized. Which I'd like to see what we can learn about humans from other animals. For example, uh, bears. Oh, okay. <laughs> and we're talking about like uh, Ursa, like the, the actual bears, not, you know, slang. Okay, let's look at it this way. The bear <laughs> yeah. has solved most of the health challenges faced by humans. They don't yeah. lose muscle or bone mass. They don't okay. get bed sores. They don't have kidney failure. They avoid <laughs> all the conditions that a sedentary lifestyle is associated with. But you don't <laughs> typically think of bears as you know, being terribly active. In fact, the only thing I remember about bears is, what is it? If it's brown, lay down. If it's black, fight back. If it's yes. white, say good night. Yes, and that has to do with how you respond to a, an attacking bear, depending on the pelt color and then where you are. Uh, is that yeah? Is is basically a grizzly is gonna you know beat the crap out of you, so you curl up into a little ball. A little black bear, you can make yourself look big and yell and it'll hopefully run away and white bears polar bears are going to kill you if it's panda shake its hand uh no 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 don't do that (laughs) stop stop doing this people think of us as an authority if it's koala have some water (laughs) 
Anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> the biggest thing is that bears, as you may be aware, do yeah. tend to have a nice long winter's nap before waking up to go searching for picnic baskets. <laughs> and one of the things that they do not suffer from are blood clots. And this is important because when humans are immobile for weeks or months, laid low by infection or paralyzed by trauma, you become at risk for blood clots that we call venous, because they're in your veins, thromboembolism. The thrombo is the clot part. The embolism means it goes somewhere it shouldn't. It could yeah. form in your leg, get to your lungs and cause difficulty breathing, get to your brain and cause a stroke block arteries in your heart and cause heart attacks. So blood clots are a massive problem. And one of the biggest risks of them forming is your blood stagnating, pooling from you remaining sedentary. Yeah. So, oh, you know, it's so cool that you brought this study because I, uh, God, I love scientists. I wouldn't have even thought about it. <laughs> I would is this oh hibernation is so cool and you know there are some things in my mind about neurology you know how do they stay asleep for such long stretches and maybe metabolism like you know how do they use up their fat stores and all this kind of a thing but my brain would not automatically go to yeah they're laying still for days weeks months at a time why don't they get clots in their legs? Yeah, they curl up for four to seven months. No yeah. blood congealing consequences. None. Oh. It's almost enough to make you angry. <laughs> and we, I'm, we're i pretty sure they don't toss and turn either. Like, that's not the answer. No, I've seen Yogi. He is very, <laughs> very peaceful. So, yeah, yeah. so in a pretty extensive study that went over not only bears, but pigs, mice, spinal cord patients, and 10 people who volunteered to help the European Space Agency, you know, <laughs> just for diversity purposes. Well, I mean, ESA, European Space Agency, and NASA, they're also interested in this because being in zero G, you know, so having no gravity that actually, you know, pulls and pushes your blood around, um, you also have the same problem of stagnating blood when you're in zero G. So, yeah, as much as we're interested in people laying stagnant here on Earth, we're also interested in space travel. So through all of this, the researchers looked at all of these different things, but bears were the real kicker, and they found a single protein, which is already impressive. That's like finding a needle in a stack full of needles. A single <laughs> yeah. protein that vanishes from bear's blood when they lie down for winter and may be directly related to the likelihood of forming a clot. So the protein known as HSP47 for heat shock protein 47 is found yeah. on platelets and it appears, and here's the really exciting part, that this protein and this same gene appears to have a similar function in bears and humans. So when levels decline in humans, so does clotting risk. So heat shock proteins in general are a class of proteins that activate in response to stressors and in the past really haven't been thought to have any role in coagulation, which anyone who's been through medical school or pre-med classes knows is a hilariously complicated cascade of processes that we probably still don't understand in its entirety. Yeah, it's... and. 
they don't happen in isolation either. Um, they happen in these really complex dances. And Josh, a lot of the reason for why we can learn what we are learning in these kind of big studies is because we now have the capability of examining tens of thousands of proteins or molecules at once um, using things like mass spectrometry uh, and other methodologies where, you know, you can do what's called almost like a shotgun approach. You can just go and say, hey, let's, okay, I see that when the bears are hibernating, their clotting goes down, you know, their ability to clot goes down. Let's find all of the proteins that are modulated up and down um, during that hibernation time and that coincide with this. And so they had to go through tons and tons of proteins. And one of the outliers, Josh, one of the proteins that were really, really, you know, downregulated in this case was this HSP 47. So, so it's a good thing that bears are heavy sleepers because they had to take a lot of blood <laughs> and over a series of not only bear, but lab and mice experiments, the researchers showed that this HSP-47 protein is essential for allowing platelets and neutrophils to coordinate during coagulation. So neutrophil extracellular traps or nets mm -hmm. are a big mesh of DNA and protein that can provide a scaffold for platelets and blood cells to congeal onto and make a clot and can also snare bacteria. So they really are nets. Yeah, and, and it's kind of disgusting to think about, Josh. Uh, nets were discovered, uh, I think, a couple of decades ago, and people were kind of freaked out when they saw them. So you have your neutrophil, right? Which is your, it's your primary, like, kind of explosive you know, first line immune cell that goes around and eats bacteria when you're sick. But this thing, rather than eating a bacteria, um, it, it actually, uh, it spews out its guts. <laughs> so it, it flings its nucleus and DNA, like the DNA, the thing it's supposed to use to replicate, it spews these guts out into the environment. <laughs> And makes this sticky Spider-Man-y web. And then that gloms onto pretty much everything, including bacteria, and tangles it all up. Um, and that's the disgusting, which, gross way how it... <laughs> which is fine when yeah. your blood is flowing, because then all those byproducts just get, you know, washed downstream, sorted mm -hmm. out, filtered, things like that. Yeah, but yeah. when your blood is pooling, yes. then these nets essentially start to clog the veins. They can act like plaques and then serve as a source of clots instead of, you know, well, instead of preventing injuries or you from bleeding out, they start to make your blood back up and stagnate. So right. bears were apparently reducing their HSP 47 levels, meaning they weren't forming nets so their veins wouldn't clog when they hibernate. So this yeah. was the this was the discovery that then researchers went and tested in other creatures to see do we do this as well or is this unique to bears? So in mice and rats that's fine, but let's look in humans. They took blood samples from chronically paralyzed spinal cord patients, so people whose uh, at least lower half of their body is in a permanent state of hibernation. Yeah, and noted, they're wheelchair bound. Yeah. And noted that these people had dramatically lower levels of HSP-47 compared to folks who were not paralyzed, meaning the body had 
made this adaptation to make it less likely to clot from something that was now a chronic condition. Then yeah. they turned to some of the only healthy people in the world who sit still like hibernating animals, astronauts. And they found <laughs> volunteers. And you may have seen this study in like recruitment for these studies on Facebook. Get paid to sit in bed for 100 days. Or... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So to simulate space, actually, Josh, it's it, it's not all that fun. Um, you do have to lay down, but you also have to be slightly at a tilt. So your feet are higher than your head by a small amount, like six degrees. So, and, and you're not allowed to get up is the thing in order to test. This. So, so imagine yeah. doing that for 27 days, just sitting in bed, 27 days yeah. and researchers on the project agreed to share blood samples from before this month began and after and they noted again, HSP 47 levels dropped sharply over that month. So we're seeing a consistent, repeatable effect. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it, so this, it, this seems to be a mammalian phenomenon. It's really just that in the hibernating bears, it's kind of an extreme downregulation. So now the question becomes, and, and we're years away from this being a general treatment, but the question now becomes, we already have medications that can decrease the amount of platelets, that can turn off certain parts of the coagulation cascade to prevent clots from being formed in conditions like atrial fibrillation uh, or to treat known blood clots. So now can we find a therapy that will actively deregulate this protein and make clots less likely to form both short term, say for a hospital stay and longer term, if you have some sort of pro coagulating condition. Yeah. And I think Josh, so this is where it can be useful. So people and bears that are chronically immobile, it looks like there is some sort of, you know, signaling cascade or something that tells the body to, hey, let's downregulate this protein. This is important. You know, we, we don't want a clot. That's a bit teleological, but essentially that's what happens, you know, ultimately. But if you are acutely immobile, so meaning that you undergo surgery, maybe you already have predisposition to getting blood clots in your legs, meaning that you're already very sedentary or you have something like diabetes or varicose veins, and then you, you undergo surgery and then you're bed bound for a while. Now, you, there's no time for this HSP to downregulate and you're stuck in one place, so you can clot in a hurry. So it's important, actually, you and me, when we're in the hospital, we'll give a medication like low molecular weight heparin, or we'll use mechanical stuff like the inflaty balloons around the calves to keep the blood circulating. But it would be really interesting that instead of giving something like heparin where you have a risk for bleeding because you're interfering directly with platelets, what if we were to target this very, very specific molecule that helps form nets and maybe, maybe reduce the chances of blood clots when you're sedentary, when you're, when you're still, without having that excess risk of having a bleed somewhere else, right? So a more and, targeted therapy. And that would be a very important condition. You might almost call it a bare necessity. Oh, he said it. 
Forget about your worries and your strife. Oh, yes. <laughs> that's that's what Baloo was talking about, was thromboembolism during a sedentary or hibernative state. Those people, people don't necessities, know that. it's Mother Nature's <laughs> recipe, so you don't get clots anywhere in life. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's what Rudyard Kipling and, and, you know, Disney were talking about. So let's move on to our next story. Um, as, as we move through the different generations, our generation is, I think, used to having a much more personal relationship with our doctors or more human relationships. Gen Z seems to be much more comfortable with technology and interacting through text, through chatbots. This is not a condemnation. It is simply an observation. This is the generation that has grown up entirely surrounded by technology that was only being developed or introduced during our time. Mm -hmm. And that's going to change how you both provide healthcare and receive healthcare. So a couple of studies that I thought were really interesting as we're starting to understand how to engage with this generation looked at, of course, mental health, which is something that Gen Z feels much more comfortable talking about than older generations. And of course, depression, one of the most prevalent mental illnesses, tends to be underdiagnosed and undertreated. So a couple of studies looked at, interestingly, social media using language from Facebook posts of in consenting individuals. Now, I know we're, yeah. we're going to start wading through all sorts of minefields. Yeah. Please just follow along for the science. Yes. Yeah. It's social media is actually a very good mine uh, in order to find out how people are doing if you utilize the data properly. Um, and much, much more importantly, with, uh, with consent <laughs> like this. So in uh, yeah. this study, we're talking about Facebook posts of consenting individuals were used to predict depression recorded in electronic medical records. So the researchers accessed the history of Facebook statuses posted by 683 patients visiting a large urban academic emergency department. 114 yep. of them had a known diagnosis of depression listed in their medical records. So using only the language before the first, so they would say, these people have depression. Now let's go back and look at their Facebook posts for the six months before they received this diagnosis. So it's, we know the end point. Now let's look at, can we find any screening tools? So it's a little bit of cherry picking. Sure, sure. Okay. Um, and with that, they could in fact identify consistently patients who are depressed with fair accuracy, matching the accuracy of screening surveys that we do. So there are surveys that we give out in the hospital to look for or to assess depressed mood or at risk for depression. And there are certain language cues on social media, such as Facebook, that are equivalent to those surveys. Oh, okay. Okay. So I'm sure it needs some refinement. And this is probably only true within a very carefully selected cultural context, right? Because language is going to shift around the world and even, you know, regions. Well, see, around that's the interesting. It wasn't so much w the words themselves. It was okay. significant predictors. And it's a fascinating study, which we'll link in the show notes, but significant predictors 
as far out as three to six months included frequent mentions of emotion, such as sadness, okay. interpersonal loneliness or hostility, and self-referential. So preoccupation with the self-illumination. Lots of posts about I, me. Um, so people were mm. out there saying that they were lonely and, you know, giving off these signs. And this crossed multiple language barriers uh, because you're looking for a preoccupation with the self with loneliness and with emotion. Any of those posts coming up repeatedly could be scalable to existing screening and monitoring procedures. So that's a slightly older study back when Facebook was still one of the more predominant social medias. But now, <laughs> I, I yeah. know, we're getting old already, I Santosh. Know, I know. <laughs> Facebook is going the way of MySpace. <laughs> okay. So recently, a chatbot Aimed to Help Depression has been released, and this came out in January. It's called, and you're going to love this, Wobot. <laughs> like, alas, woe is me, but also I'm a robot. I'm a Wobot. So, yeah, this isn't a robot with a, you know, slightly different form of speech, like how, it, how they pronounce the R's, but W-O-E, like woe. Woe is me. This was you <laughs> not like Owen Wilson. Whoa, Bob. Oh, that was a terrible impression. No, that was. Uh, <laughs> I get you. It's it's like Elmer Fudd a little bit. Like woe is me. You know, Whoa, like Bob. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> a recent review of studies published in the Journal of World Psychiatry compared people who received cognitive behavioral therapy mm -hmm. online with those who received it in person. So oh. those two were shown to be equally effective. Now, Wobot is essentially a chat GPT, an artificial intelligence trained in cognitive behavioral therapy. Okay. Now, the reason that these online and in-person therapy for CBT may be equally effective is that CBT focuses on the present instead of the past. So oh. rather than talking to Wobot about your relationship with a parent, like, oh, you know, my parents did this to me as a child, and this is why I'm sad. Yeah. You might chat about a recent conflict at work or an argument with a friend, and the CBT basically boils down to it's not the things that happen to us, it's how we react to them. And I know I'm making a bunch of psychiatrists very frustrated with summing up <laughs> a huge field <laughs> into a single sentence, but you know what? The robots beat us to it. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
So don't <laughs> at me. Well, I, I think that's a really, really fair assessment, Josh. So a lot of people think of therapy like, you know, Freud psychoanalysis and that kind of a thing. So trying to find etiologies for your, like how you feel, how you were raised, you know, what you went through as a child, uh, you know, recall all these kind of things. Whereas CBT basically, just like you said, it's a, okay, you experience an event you have an emotional reaction and then you have an action that follows that. Let's just actually go mechanically into step-by-step why that happens. And then literally just as if you're a program, rather than trying to figure out all the mushy emotional stuff, let's just try to reprogram that particular reaction to the best of our ability. And I'll tell you, Josh, especially for depression and and other mood disorders, it can be a real boon to, you know, get away from all that, you know, the the touchy-feely, mushy stuff and really just work on basic components of human stimulus and reaction. So the results of a study on Wobot specifically were just published in April in the Journal of Medical Internet Research for Mental Health. I love and, this. I love it. <laughs> and they took a group of students, split them into two groups. One was assigned to chat with Wobot over two weeks. The other was directed to read an ebook about depression. Right. So there wasn't a control here of therapy. That's important. Right. Um, and it turned out that, of course, the ones who had someone to talk to, even a chatbot, did show improvements in scores, where the others who read a book about depression, unsurprisingly, <laughs> were not yeah. less depressed. You can't read your way out of depression. Now, no, very rare. <laughs> yeah. Now, here's, here's a couple interesting things. One, Wobot is available. It is free to use. So if you are interested... You can absolutely get it. It is said it is not meant to be a replacement for therapy, simply a supplement. There are people who may feel uncomfortable texting their therapist at, say, one in the morning if they're having trouble sleeping or something is eating away at them. The chatbot is always there, and it can provide. Now, here's the thing. When we're talking about totally tubular radical medicine for Gen Z, this robot is geared towards young adults, meaning... It does use emojis. It does use links and memes. Mm -hmm. Cognitive behavioral therapy, but with GIFs. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it is important, actually, because, you know, CBT, just like you said, it does deal in the present. So as environments and language and expression and everything changes, Cognitive behavioral therapy, unlike some other therapeutic modalities, does have to shift with the times because you've got to communicate with your modern day audience. So if you're going to get lost, if someone asks about your boo, this app is probably (laughs) not for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. (laughs) Now it tries to, once you've signed up and have started chatting with it, it will try to engage a user each day with push notifications, such as encouragement for completing a task, checking in about mood, making a joke like I flossed my grills. Daily (laughs) use is the goal to aim for at least at the start. And interactions can be as short as one minute, as long as 10. 
Now, if you do have a more serious concern or this is a more ongoing problem, again, you are still encouraged, even by the app itself, to seek professional human help. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm I'm very tempted, and I may end up signing up just because I want to see what happens. I want to see what memes and emojis are sent for me, like... I'm feeling skull, skull, fire, fire, laughing emoji, <laughs> poop today, well, and just see what and see what the response is. Like, what does it recommend for that? Well, it is a conversational bot that does work off of your responses. So it there is a modicum of adaptation that it has, which is kind of neat. Which you know, even computers maybe i'd say five years ago wouldn't be able to achieve this is that like if you're not responding to certain patterns of language like the emojis or emoticons then it'll stop (laughs) presumably but it even presents it does present hard data like it will respond but my data from a stanford study shows most people get the hang of things and feel better at two weeks or it will send links to what is a mindfulness video so it's concise shorter okay. than youtube so it's giving you you know little tiktok uh doses of things yeah and it will <laughs> give you patient health questionnaire items which are yes. ones that we do use in actual medical screening yeah and uh, i think to be sure josh we're you know all of us humans especially in the modern era um you know we respond best to the quickest feedback about the most immediate situations, the best. So if you're able to get these, you know, frequent and, you know, helpful, you know, feedbacks, even if it's to to small things, right? So little victories and little defeats, and you're getting feedback and encouragement and all kind of thing, there's this constant nudge, hopefully, towards positive thoughts, better responses, and then lowered, hopefully, depression and anxiety as well. Now, there's a lot of different apps out there. Some let you talk to penguins, some let you talk to these. The reason that we are just talking about Wobot is one, I find the name delightful, (laughs) but also because it is one that has been actively engaged in studies. And one of the ones they recently announced is a pivotal clinical trial to evaluate its safety as a digital therapeutic assistant for postpartum depression. Oh, oh, that's wonderful. Okay, okay. So it was granted breakthrough device designation by the FDA in 2021 and is currently recruiting women ages 22 to 45 with mild to moderate postpartum depression to see if Wobot as an adjunct to treatment as usual can more rapidly reduce symptoms of depression compared to an educational control and therapy as usual. And yeah. so it's it's really trying to do it the right way with science as opposed to just getting eyeballs and microtransactions and money. So yeah. I am... I would promote this over other chatbots, but I wouldn't promote it over actual therapy with a human physician yeah. or psychotherapist. Tra- yeah, who especially one who's trained in cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, I do actually want to go to the the Stanford study, Josh, with the students, um, and just let people know 
you know, just like you said, 70 kids in total, uh, I shouldn't say kids, 18 to 28. And they very importantly, both groups. So the ones that did the informational one, uh, just reading, and then the ones that interacted with Wobot, they both started with the same average depression score on a standardized uh, type of a survey. Uh, but the ones who did Wobot significantly, that score improved. I mean, a, a lot, a lot. Um, but interestingly, Josh, the both groups, so the control and the Wobot group, um, they actually both had improvements in their anxiety scores just fine. So, you know, it, it looks like it's not as, you know, it, it's, it's as helpful, I guess, as the placebo for anxiety, but really helped with depression. Then they did ask about feedback. The investigators did. They asked the students, hey, what did you like or not like about this? And the students got to reply back and say things like, oh, I like that it would check in and it had empathy and personality. It paid attention to my feelings. Um, it could catch my thinking. It, they actually, you know, one student said, um, I'll probably still have these thought processes, but it could catch how I was, you know, my thoughts were forming, my negative thoughts after something happened. Um, the opposite side of things, though, they said, why don't you like it? They said, oh, I'm getting a lot of like automated responses here. It, there was a few repetitive things like, you know, if you're in one of your favorite role-playing games and you keep clicking on the same non-player character and he just says the same thing over and over again. Um, and yeah, there were glitches. You're a hundred percent right, Josh, about the emojis and stuff, because there were feedback that said, I hated using emojis to describe how I feel. <laughs> and some of them that like to have longer conversations, some of the students, they said, oh, the, the conversations were too short, um, you know, that kind of a thing. But, you know, stuff to work out. But it looks like, you know, for the group as a whole, it, 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 exactly what you said, maybe not as good as conventional therapy or we don't know, but definitely better than nothing especially in areas that have lack of access yes. to mental health professionals or people who maybe aren't quite comfortable enough with reaching out to one, this could be a good initial step. Yes, I, I think that's a very fair thing, especially in cases where um, if someone is aware enough where they say, oh, I feel like I'm sliding into this depression and I don't want to get there. It, you know, it hasn't been tested at all in an emergency situation, you know, where there's a crisis going on. But, you know, in a case where you have mild to moderate depression and someone's able to recognize, hey, I just need to dig myself out a little bit. Because sometimes, Josh, one of the barriers to going and asking for help is being in a wrong state of mind such that you don't feel like going out and asking for help, which is a really scary place to be. Now, don't forget, uh, separate from the apps, there is, of course, the Lifeline Chat and Text as a service of the 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Yes. So that will connect individuals with crisis counselors for emotional support, which is, you know, a human on the other end. So you have a wide range of things, but we have now, that's kind of our our Gen Z one, the bears yeah. and blood clots are for the older <laughs> us generation. Now let's move on. Gen Z, your time is over. We're moving on to Gen Alpha. 
Yeah. The hot, the hot new freshness. The, the, you can't compete with the hot freshness, Josh. You can't no. compete. No, and this is the most <laughs> radical, tubular, <laughs> awesome thing of all. Nobody listening understands the words you're saying, Josh. Cowabunga, no. cowabunga yeah. dudes. Yeah. <laughs> so many people. Uh, there, our audience right now is firmly split into people <laughs> frantically googling these words, and then the other, which are like uh, just tearing up with nostalgia. <laughs> Cowabunga dudes! We have skateboards for preemies. What? Shut that front door! <laughs> What's the matter That's with right. you? That's right. A medical skateboard that allows premature babies to no. Tony to Tony Hawk themselves around after birth. So you stop. You stop right now. No. Reduces reduces delays to their motor development. So babies that are born preterm have had yeah. less time to practice moving their limbs and developing their muscles inside the supportive environment of the uterus. Yeah, right? they're, premature they're, babies have a lot of problems. Yes, and and one of them is yeah the the muscular tone in general is is very low, which is why well, they'll never compete in the X Games. <laughs> With that attitude. <laughs> With the, uh, the attitude, he says, that's the problem. Okay. Well, that's the feeling of researcher Marianne Barbu Roth at the Paris Cité University in France. This, no, I, 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 I refuse to believe anything you say from here on out, but say your piece. <laughs> that's why we include links in the show notes. <laughs> So, researcher Barbu Roth created a medical skateboard. Babies are premature babies are laid on their front of the skateboard and strapped on so they can't fall off and they're prepared to do wicked grinds and ollies. <laughs> um, the, now, the slight it? elevation off the ground being on the skateboard allows them to use their arms and legs to propel themselves forward. Very oh. premature babies are unable to breastfeed but the motions they use on a skateboard are similar to those of non-premature newborns who have been seen to push themselves forwards if breastfeeding. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, suddenly sounds like a real study, huh? (laughs) Oh, okay. So this, I mean, it's not actually like they're not skating around the ward. It's, it is, it's a, it's Santosh, don't be ridiculous. Where are you going to get a half pipe in a hospital? (laughs) No, no. So this is this is a therapy rig. So you you put the baby in for a bit and then you take him out. Like, okay, okay, okay. Researchers enrolled forty four very preterm babies from four different neonatal intense. The most awesome preterm. Forty four of the most awesome preterm babies <laughs> from four neonatal intensive care units in Paris in the wickedest neighborhoods. It's actually made it into med archive. <laughs> I cannot believe this. <laughs> the babies were then randomly assigned to one of three groups. In the first group, babies used the skateboard. Yeah. In the second group, they lay on their front on a mat for five this minutes a day. Actually, it was funded by the National Agency of Research in France. 
<laughs> the second group lay on their front on a mat for five minutes a day while the trained therapist visited their homes over eight weeks. Uh, so Those, they, got, they got tummy time. They got tummy time. Yeah, the okay. third group were a bunch of squares and just got standard checkups at home with no interventions, skateboarding, or cool sunglasses, or even parkour, I'm guessing. Not even a backwards hat? Not even a backwards hat. Oh, loser. Right? And on average, the cool babies using the skateboard were able to push themselves forward 139 centimeters during the five-minute sessions. Um, <laughs> Way out, dude. <laughs> in my favorite line of the study, it is remarkable that even at this very early age, premature infants could travel long distances, says researcher Roth. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is... Okay, so... Uh, I mean, hopefully this works. We used to, Josh, we used to have to what we thought to help kids to walk, right? So when they would get to about this like eight to 12 months of age, um, you know, we used to put them in these, uh, I forgot what they were, they're, I think they were called baby walkers. It turns out those are bad because they didn't really help the kids develop um, and, you know, like cause hip dysplasia and this kind of thing. But this is like a, it's a crawly machine. So the babies are super young. They, they're out of the hospital then. They're, they're done with all the rest. Yeah, on those skateboards, problems. you better believe it. <laughs> but no, no, no. So they're done with all like the respiratory problems and the feeding and growing. Like they're, you know, they're to a point where they can do other things. And you're worried about their, you know, now their neuromuscular development and this kind of a thing. So, you know, the one of the first things they do is they, they're supposed to crawl. So, um, you know, you, you get them to the age where they can be at home and they're doing physical therapy, right, to increase their muscle tone and everything. And then because they're stuck in one place, you give them a little help by just putting them on a little board and now they can propel themselves forward. Oh my god. They were also more likely to develop head control by two months, crawling oh. by nine, and standing by twelve, which oh. would then put them firmly back into the same development arcs yes. as non preterm children. Okay. So instead of tracking by gestational age, you could just track them by age. That's so good, Josh. Oh my god. <laughs> And ye of little faith, we're sitting here in the beginning wondering how I was going to shoehorn bears and skateboards into the same episode. <laughs> oh, man. This is so neat. Hold on, hold on. I'm I'm pulling up the the figure where they're talking about uh you know the 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 scoring system of yeah head control sitting position. So when you know when they were able if the, how many of them were able to sit up at six months and the crawly did much better than the mattress. Interestingly, the control was even better than the regular mattress. So mattress is gone. We shouldn't be doing that anymore. That's right. No baby yoga. Send them yeah. straight to snowboarding, skateboarding. <laughs> yeah, this is so good. Oh, my gosh. And so, yeah, so the mattress group essentially was zero centimeters. And then I'm looking at the crawly group. There's a scatter dot plot. The the slow kids, you know, the the not so 
Tony Hawks of the world were <laughs> going about 50 to 60 centimeters. But dude, the best ones went at like 250 centimeters. That's so crazy. <laughs> now, don't worry. They do have proper safety gear. There are helmets. Yes. There are straps and essentially like a little rabbit ear across. It's called the crawly skate. It's so they well, need a so, little bit of work on the name. <laughs> so the bunny ears, it's it shaped like a, uh, how do you say it, it looks almost like a, a reverse bird. So, you know, you lay down on the flat part and then there's parts that stick up above the head, like almost like a pair of antenna. And that is if the kid propels themselves that those two soft parts bump into something so the kid doesn't headbutt <laughs> just like this now again yeah. this was all done on children who really were just premature with no other issues and that's because right, about right. one in three of those kids will have some sort of motor development delays yes the yes. next step is a trial of a hundred radical babies <laughs> some some who do have brain damage to test the efficacy with higher risk babies who could be at risk for developing things like cerebral palsy rather than just a uh, baseline motor development delay. Josh, this, um, I, I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm, I apologize profusely. Uh, I was a complete and utter, I know you're going to censor this, but I was a complete and utter asshole at the beginning of this. <laughs> I was I was so not chill, <laughs> and you were you were a totally righteous dude. Santosh, <laughs> preemies are skateboarding, no cap, and you were like, "Uh, is that actually helpful?" Bet. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know if I'm using those words correctly. No, no. And I, I'm okay. sad now, so I may have to go to Wobot. <laughs> to get yourself <laughs> Wobot's going to tell you that you're actually and Wobot, totally... Wobot will tell me that I have all the Riz I need you're totally Riz and you were totally based yeah no cap no <laughs> I don't know I still don't know if that's right god damn it so this is a beautiful beautiful observational study with this intervention Oh my God. I'm so happy about this. I hope that this doesn't get turned into some weird ass, you know, like money-making thing and that we have lots and lots of skateboards for all of the babies. Okay. All right. Props to uh, Université Paris-Cité, CNRS Integrative Neuroscience and Cognition Center, and France for funding this. I can't. And we is... will be watching for uh, preemie parkour. <laughs> next yo <laughs> i just where we're in the neonatal ward of the NICU and it's like oh watch out for davy why <laughs> he just gets everywhere we can't even keep just, anybody see bed seven Bets, <laughs> Betty, get down, get down. <laughs> That's it for this week. As always, we love to hear your comments, questions, and feedback. <laughs> Tell us what other totally radical things you would like to see Gen Z or Alpha do. 
Or if you've noticed any other up-and-coming studies you want us to talk about on future journal clubs. Yeah, Um, we we actually love to uh, interact with you guys and and explain anything that we can and answer any questions. Um, We are also... I think it's fair to say, Josh, pretty pretty certified at debunking when there are crap studies or, you know, either poorly done or just straight up false claiming to be science papers out there that you guys want us to take a look at and pick apart. You have no idea how many papers I read yeah. on just a daily basis. <laughs> and it's our favorite part of our day. Um, baby yeah. baby skateboards don't just <laughs> fall out of the sky <laughs> you have to go looking oh my god so <laughs> if you'd like to support us spiritually emotionally or financially links to do that are in the show notes along with links for further reading on the studies we've discussed <laughs> the show is produced by me with a lot of help from dr santosh and friends and until <laughs> next time as always keep a song in your heart soap in your hands a shot on your arm Find somewhere interesting to go that's got medicine stuff going on. And when you've done all of that, happy travels. Hang 10! catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.